That's interesting that you say that the game is really simple, James, because who was eliminated first in the game that we played last time? <laughs> Hello everyone, this is James from Ludic Language Pedagogy and this is podcast number five. Today we are interviewing Dehan about his paper, the GT Class Walkthrough. Uh, I'd just like to introduce everyone. We have obviously Dehan. Uh, Jonathan Dehan is an associate professor at the University of Shizuoka in Japan. Hey everybody. Um, we also have the three reviewers. I'll read them out in alphabetical order. So first is Simone Brigny, and he is an associate professor of Italian. The, uh, the St. Louis University. We have uh, Yiting Han. She is a PhD candidate at the University of Arizona. Hello, everyone. And uh, finally, we have Zach Hartman. He's a secondary school teacher based in New York City. And would you like to mention your other projects, Zach? Uh, sure. So I'm also the founder of Hamilton Games. It's a website where I put up all my curriculum around game-based learning, usually, typically using video games. Excellent. So we are blessed with three lovely reviewers today. So this episode is being recorded in the midst of um, the coronavirus crisis, the pandemic. And so we're all in some uh, state of lockdown or self-isolation. So we can't really not talk about that. So briefly, how is the lockdown affecting your life right now? I'm doing really well, actually. I, I feel like this is giving me time to not only write more and, and play more with my kids, but I kind of like teaching online. Like I'm working online in Google Documents with a lot of my classes, and I had a three and a half hour Google Hangout with my Game Terukoya seminar students yesterday. It's exhausting, but I also feel like it's giving me some new ways to connect with people. So I'm honestly doing fine. So great. Th thanks for asking. That's good. Uh, Simone, how's it affecting you? Uh, I feel I'm doing well. Uh, I feel that uh, lucky that I uh, took the um, online training course uh, uh, that taught me how to uh, properly teach online last semester. And we were given a week to prepare before switching everything online. So I had mm. some time to figure out mm. the new technology. Biggest challenge that I'm encountering is that I'm teaching my intensive Italian for Gamers class. And it relied heavily upon games for PlayStation 4 that were localized in Italian that I would uh, get from Amazon Italy. Of mm. course, we cannot use them. So I had to find alternatives. And mm. uh, uh, Uplay, for example, allows my students to access uh, content, uh, many relevant games in Italian. So resorting to that and also we're resorting to uh, YouTube playthrough rather than ah, short game playing. Wow. I had to come up with solutions. Overall, I think and, and we're doing well. Actually, the semester for us is ending uh, next week. Okay. The okay. last day wow. of classes is Tuesday. I like wow. that you, instead of playing the game, you're watching play what playthroughs of the game. That, that's a really interesting uh, way to, mm. to change it. Yeah, nice one. Very, very, very smart. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> uh, Ting, how's it affecting you? Uh, I think I'm doing well, too. Thank you for asking. Well, luckily, I did my data collection before it happened. Mm. So now, luckily, I'm just staying at home, writing up my dissertation. I'm currently in Singapore, and we are all staying at home. Ah, I see. And what is, can I ask what your dissertation is on, by the way? Uh, it's on technology-enhanced learning outside of classroom. So how you like autonomously use technology to help you learn a language. Oh, okay. And I feel 
And my focus is on like workplace people, like people who graduated from university ah, right. so, years ago. So how they continue their language learning. Okay, fantastic. I uh, should mention, uh, you think she has a paper out in, uh, what is the journal called? Technology in Language Learning and Teaching, I believe. Right, okay. This is an open source journal. And she has a great paper on the use of um, memes in language teaching, which um, is right <laughs> up my alley. I'm really, I'm really... <laughs> Yeah, I'm very, very interested in that, that kind of learning. So yeah, um, that, that's a free paper that people can go and read online, right? Oh, Excellent. Thank you. Uh, Zach, um, how is the coronavirus affecting you in New York City? I mean, I'm, I'm guessing that it's going to be the most severe for you. Yeah, I'm lucky in the sense that no one in my immediate circle of life has been affected too much. Um, I am kind of in the heart of it in the United States. Like the city's never been so quiet. Um, and like schools kind of scrambled to get to the online learning very like on the drop of a dime. Yeah. Um, and it, it, it's, it's going mostly well. I know for my students, they've been struggling with it a lot. A lot. So I, the school I'm teaching at is an international school. So it's all students who just moved recently to the United States and are going through high school over. And right. it's kind of, it's a bit of a bummer for a lot of them because they came here they're, and I teach juniors and seniors, especially for the seniors who are just getting ready to graduate after moving to a new country. Now it's kind of thrown a wrench in the entire process. But mm. it's teaching online has been okay for the most part. It's been I've at least been able to experiment a little bit um, with one of my classes. I know I've been using I've been having some students stream on Twitch hmm. uh, nice. for one of my classes, which I haven't well, I've never done that before. So it's at least given me some unique opportunities. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's cool. So would are you grading their Twitch streams then? Uh not so they I think the grading policy for the city just came out where it's like you can't fail anymore. Uh, um, okay. For the year. So I don't grades are up in the air at this point, but right. basically like tomorrow it's only one student streaming at a time. So tomorrow I'm gonna have a student start streaming Batman the Telltale series. Hmm. So that we can, so that we can, so that we can go into how dialogue choices are used throughout the game and how it impacts the narrative. So you'll be watching the stream and then commenting as students and teacher on on the stream as part of the class. Yeah. So, oh, yeah, right. so, so one student's going to be the player, and then the rest of us will be engaging in the Twitch chat. Oh, that's great! I love it. Yeah. Really. <laughs> 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 <Great. laughs> so, how does it work legally? Like, can you actually record that? for grading purposes or for your own records? Like, I guess the, the waters are a little bit murky right now, but like, do you have to do everything in the moment? Can you record it? Can you? Um, I can record it. So I'm also lucky that a lot of my students are overage, so they're all over 18. Uh, mm -hmm. uh -huh. That's and, interesting. But, but Jonathan, yeah, yeah. Uh, Twitch is recorded anyway, so I don't think there's a legal oh, right. loophole there. It's right. just like mm -hmm. YouTube or whatever. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. I'm going to Thanks. move on to the main section, if you don't mind. Okay, um, I'm mainly focused on, on Jonathan. Um, if you could tell us uh, the three parts of your paper in terms of the ludic, the language, and the pedagogy. So if we start with the ludic, what kind of games uh, did you use in this paper? So in this project, this, so this was a semester-long class, uh, I used two games. Uh, I started by using the game Concentration, like that really simple, it just with like a deck of cards, right? Like you flip over a deck of cards and there's a match. Um, 
and and you take turns trying to flip over the card and try to make a match. And then after playing that, uh, we played the game Diplomacy, which is like that classic war game where six nations battle over pre-World War One Europe. Um, and I had the students grouped into teams. So I was looking, I was just using pretty, I guess, simple in a way, like card games and board games, right? Non-digital um, analog games. I, I did consider using some other games with the students. Like I, in the second game, I gave them a choice of what they wanted to to play. So I showed them diplomacy, but I also showed them some online uh, Flash and HTML5 games like uh, Every Day the Same Dream or Don't Get Fired. But the students, because they're international relations students, they voted to play Diplomacy. Diplomacy, not an obvious choice for a, a game-based language class. Has anybody else here experienced Diplomacy? No, I haven't. I, I'd never heard of it before reading this paper. <laughs> yeah. Oh, interesting, interesting. <laughs> Yeah, we're we're actually hosting a game uh, on uh, amongst LLP people. If uh, if you're interested, we can set up another one. But yeah, it's uh, it's a bloodthirsty game. Uh, and in the paper, Jonathan writes about some of the students uh, that were disqualified, kind of got a little bit heartbroken, or maybe you could say butt hurt. <laughs> Was that is that is that true, Jonathan? Absolutely. Um, yeah, yeah. And it comes from not only yeah. So this is a game. This is a negotiation game where you take 20 minutes to talk to the other teams, sometimes secretly, like you can actually leave the classroom, go to other classrooms, send messages on SNS. Like it's a very, it's, it's, it's diplomacy. It's, it's secret negotiations and then mm. writing your orders down on a piece of paper. And then those orders get revealed simultaneously. And so you can promise to do things. You can try to suss out information. You can lie. You can make, try to make other countries do what you want them to do. And absolutely like that leads to a lot of hard feelings. Like diplomacy is called, the game that ends friendships, you know, mm. the, the game that's been ending friendships for 60 years, right? <laughs> so it's it's incredibly engaging, but the rule set is, you know, it's like a 40-page rule book. You really do have to understand the rules in order to play the game. And, and some of the students who did get eliminated pretty on didn't put in the effort that they should have to figure out all the little nuances of how to move fleets and armies and bouncing and supporting and all these different technical things in the rule book. So diplomacy, uh, not an obvious, not an obvious choice for a, a language teaching classroom. Um, you, pretty, but I think it's a pretty obvious choice for my context. Like it's okay. it's an it's an international relations department, right? And so yeah. they're interested in history and politics and geography and culture. And so for them, like they were really into it, you know, from my context. Um, so the language part of your class. What, yeah, what, what, just... what were the language goals? I mean, I read the paper again yesterday just to refresh my memory. Um, it seems quite, hmm, well, it was an ele elective class, right? So I guess, we, were you in charge? We, were you, uh, did you decide what the language goals were or was that dictated from the university? So, yeah, as you said, it's an elective class and this class sort of falls into the academic skills uh, segment of our curriculum. And so we're looking not only at, at sort of linguistic and literacy goals, but also those academic skills, right? Like being able to summarize information, being able to find information, being able to use information in sort of those traditional academic discourses. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, like if, in terms of the language in the paper, like as always, I guess, in the Game Terracoya projects, like I can speak a lot more about language than I can probably even about the games. Like I, I can pull out 
yeah, like like half a dozen language things that students did in this project. Like in terms of concentration, like even that simple card game, one group of students looked at the rules and they did a discourse analysis and they pulled out like how the author uses verbs in hmm. in, in rules. Um, in terms of and another group with with concentration, they started looking at how memory works in the game. And they started diving into like short-term memory, long-term memory, sort of like cognitive science. And so they were using language to, well, they were using English to do research, to look up information about memory use, something that they had never studied before. And then they were also having to articulate those ideas and use sort of like meta language to explain those ideas to me and the class, right? Mm. So now so we're starting, so we're starting to get into linguistic things and starting to get into academic language skills. Yeah. So very simply though, you could say that the language goals of the class were decided by the students in a way then. They they took on they chose what they wanted to study in the class. It's really funny because yeah, you, you on one hand you're totally right that the language goals are decided by them. Like they decide what to do, what 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 captures their interests in terms of the game and then what they um want to dive into in terms of the projects. But like Who's getting on a train? Nice. It's 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 a it's a car outside my house saying, "Stay inside, please." Sorry, I'm sorry about that. <laughs> no, <I'm not laughs> um, but on, like, so on one hand, yeah, the, the students are deciding what language things they want to focus on. But on the other hand, like me as the teacher, knowing the pedagogy of multiliteracies, like knowing the activities I'm going to give to students, I had a pretty good under pretty good idea that they were going to get into some pretty serious linguistic or sociocultural things by, mm. by, by, by you know, debriefing the game. So right. in a way, I'm sort of sneaking, it's sort of like a, a stealth curriculum, right? I'm sort of sneaking students into sort of the back door to these pretty complicated mm. um, academic discourses. Love it. Yeah. And then in, uh, terms, of yeah, in, in terms of diplomacy, like there are other groups who were, um, so after playing diplomacy, there was one group that looked at online strategies for the game. Like these were a lot of, these were actually some of the teams that did really well in the game. And they were really curious about, well, how do other people online, like this game has been played by thousands, maybe even hundreds of thousands of people. Well, you can actually pay, you can actually pay to get training in how to play this game as particular countries, right? right? Yeah, mentorships yeah. and stuff. This is probably like almost as serious as chess, right? Like people, mm -hmm. people write articles about it. People debate strategy and, and, and moves, right? And so one group went online and looked at how other people uh, talk about the game, what strategies they have. So they're obviously using language skills there. Um, another group uh, was very, very interested in who plays diplomacy. Like, the, uh, it was, uh, the, and this, this group started to do some sort of like, almost like spy work, looking at, at, the, at the profiles of people that were posting on like Twitter and Reddit and BoardGameGeek. And they put together like uh, a social media... Um, like almost like a profile of these people who are mostly like well-educated um, male, middle-aged people, right? So they were using language to sort of do like the sleuth work, hmm. right? Other groups did historical research, like did World War One actually take place this way? Because we're sort of playing out World War One, Right, I see. And then there were other groups who were using language to like design the game and then to play that with other people. Um, so how did you get them to start these language projects by themselves? How did you did you guide them to that with with the pedagogy? Could you introduce 
the pedagogy that you were using in this project? I absolutely think that it was it was pedagogy that got them to do this. They they I really don't think that they would have done this stuff on their own um, without some of those very specific steps in the in the, the curriculum. So after playing the game, and I just let them play the game and, and, and experience it as deeply as they could, they completed a discussion sheet. It was like three large pages of questions that were designed just to spark their curiosity, right? What did you think of the game? Um, what did you notice about the language that you used? Um, how do you think you win this game? And so there were there was like several there were several dozen questions that students took a week to sort of debrief and decompress their experiences in the game. Um, and that sparked all of these different projects. Some students got interested in language or history or culture or you know profiles of players or strategy guides and things like that. So those worksheets, and then after they got those ideas, they went through sort of a, I guess a lockstep sort of traditional research project, right? Like, what is your research question? How are you going to find out? Do the research, summarize the data, highlight trends. What's interesting about this project? They went through sort of like a research project worksheet too then. Yeah? Mm. That's not part of multiliteracies though, right? That, that's more just general, um, yeah, like um, scientific method. It's would, interesting. Would I think that you can definitely connect it and couch it in those terms, but right. like specifically the analysis phase of mm -hmm. the multiliteracies pedagogy, like the third step, mm -hmm. it requires students to do that work. Mm -hmm. And whether students are able to do that work just on their own because they've had that sort of academic skills training already, or they need to be scaffolded by the teacher, like I think it's very much multiliteracies work. Like it, it really connects to that academic uh, sort of research project tradition. Is there, yeah, is, there any, part of is there anything that multiliteracies doesn't do, Jonathan? What a great question. Hmm. Well, I think that we're going to... Well, okay, so here's... Like, I think that we're going to figure that out in the channel that we've created on LLP, right? We've just, we've just started a channel on LLP's open Slack called Practical Game-Based uh, Classroom Teaching where we're mm -hmm. tossing out like a dozen different ways of teachings with games. And I, and I honestly hope that that's something we're going to figure out in that channel mm -hmm. because I, I want to take, uh, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. So this is a great opportunity to ask the reviewers about Please. their perceptions of the paper, their I initial impressions. I'm not going to lie. I'm pretty much a, a neophyte when it comes to the pedagogy of multiliteracies. It's, it's something, it's just a little, I don't want to say that I'm stupid, but it, it maybe I am, but it, it's quite complex. It's hard to approach. It, it's a tricky one to figure out for me, the, the idea of multiliteracies. And to have Jonathan's paper framed from this, uh, uh, this particular pedagogy where students are um, analyzing games and then doing some participatory work and remixing and all these keywords. And how, how did you guys um, feel about what, what's your perception of multiliteracies and the way that it was used in this paper? Um, anyone's free to answer, so. Okay, I will go. Um, I was really impressed in the sense that, um, just like Jonathan, I tend to create how-to papers that, uh, you know, there are plenty of theoretical contributions in the field, and that is not quite me. Uh, what I want to do, what I aim to do is what he does, uh, that is to say, so other teachers, my experience in teaching with games, in my case, they're video games, 
and a step-by-step sort of guide. I found um, this paper incredibly well-structured, and, uh, and there was plenty of materials uh, that I feel that I uh, could definitely use and incorporate in my own teaching. In terms of uh, scaffolding and task-based learning, for example, um, is, 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 is very thorough. Uh, what I really, really like is what he just described, uh, the discussion sheet uh, at the end, you know, the, the three large pages where students were asked at different levels to reflect on, to reflect on how they use the games and what they had learned, etc. It's something that I, uh, I, uh, I'm going to incorporate in my own teaching uh, because definitely there is a there is a, a much deeper layer than what I'm using in my own teaching at the moment. Can I just can I just dive into that a little bit more then, Simone? Um, it sounds sure. to me that you're. Um, Maybe I'm getting this wrong, but it sounds like you're praising the the style of the paper, the 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 idea of the LLP walkthrough as a very detailed snapshot of somebody's teaching context. Is that something that you say would is not really? Yes, that is correct. Right, that right, is correct. Yeah, I mean that that's the whole idea of 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 those types of paper. We 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 basically came up with that format from the idea of a game fact. You know, the the website game facts where it's mm-hmm. just a walkthrough of a game from start to finish in a huge text file. Uh, that, that We wanted to kind of emulate that in terms of, well, how, how is a teacher doing things in their own classroom? So, yeah, I'm glad that that came through to you. Um, mm-hmm. any, any other comments from people in general regarding their impressions of the, of the paper? I mean, I really love the reflective and analytical activities of this paper because sometimes I see educators tend to focus on the game experience itself, but... Um, the re- reflective and anal- analytical activities of this paper kind of reminds me of the bridging activities, which we probably discuss later. Yeah, it's such, it's such a complex thing, right, with game-based language teaching, like getting students mm-hmm. to reflect and analyze. Um, do you see other ways of getting people to reflect and analyze from gameplay? Because I think that what I did is kind of, I don't know, like, kind of simple, right? Just asking them to go through all these questions. Do you think it's a good way? Do you know of other ways that might be easier to implement or get at different aspects of the game experience? What's your take? One point that I mentioned in my comment was Mm. you can like have students keep analytical or reflective gameplay journals that they can have this time to sit down and reflect on their gameplay and around game activities. Mm. I I love that comment. Like, I I, I love that comment. What do you think the diary gets at? Like, what would it give students if they were to do a reflective diary while playing the game or playing lots of different games? Because I think it applies to, like, what, what Zach is doing with his students, right? Like, his students are playing games for a long time. And in Simone's context, they're playing games for a long time, right? Playing Assassin's Creed is a long game. So what do you think, Yiting? Like, what, what does a diary give students in that context? I've never had them keep a journal, per se. I mean, I always have them complete some kind of handout that I've made before um, mm. for them to get their ideas down. I know 
in terms of reflection night, what I always like to do is to have a Socratic seminar at the end of any unit where I just huh. put them all in a circle and I step out of the conversation for like for at least forty five minutes where I just let them talk about it. Huh. Um, mm-hmm. Which is cool. just getting them just getting them to speak with each other. because um, a lot of on my end, since I'm using video games a lot, it's a lot of them just focusing and listening to the dialogue of video games. So at the whatever the unit ends, I always get them in a circle and just let them talk for as much time as possible, as much time as I can, I have. It's almost like being on a, there's some sort of spectrum, right? Of, of I, like, I love that Socratic circle. I love the students talking to each other and, and, and figuring out how to articulate their ideas to each other or, or the worksheet or, or Yiting's like game diary. It almost seems like um, they're different ways of approaching the same thing. I'm trying to understand what, what is the thing we're trying to get students to do with these different tools and tasks and mediation, right? Are we trying to help them understand the game better? Are we trying to help them apply the game better? Are we trying to help them like develop me- meta language, like ways of talking about things in more advanced ways? Mm-hmm. What, what's, what's the purpose of these? I'm still trying to work that out in my own pedagogy, as you can see, right? I've got a, I've got a little uh, comment about why keep journals and what, what the, uh, the, the use of that might be. So I'm going to mention that. Then I want to go back to Zach's um, mm. uh, just general comments on the paper before we move on to the next sure. section, if that's yeah, okay. Go ahead. Sorry, yeah, sorry to the... cut it short. Yeah. Um, so the idea of um, game journals, I think I'm going to say that in Zach's context and in Jonathan's context, you're dealing with students that are pretty fluent in the second language or the, the, the foreign language from the get-go. Is that fair to say? Half and half, I'd say. Yeah, yes. I'd say the majority are, are com- conversationally fluent. Okay. I'm not sure about Yuting's context, but in my context, students are low proficiency. So the idea of creating a journal at the end of gameplay is a way to offload some of the, the, the issues or maybe dive into some of their, the problems that they've had with the language during gameplay. So it's a, it's a chance to reflect and consider their own language and maybe develop it in a medium that is not spoken. So you're speaking during a game. Afterwards, you can write it down and look at it in a different format, take some more time on it and use it to develop the second language. So I think that's, that's one of the, the key things about keeping a journal. Second that I teach elementary level and uh, we keep a journal, students keep a journal, and uh, it's for linguistic development. Right. Uh, I have preliminary worksheets for their task-based learning to expand uh, grammar and vocab, their mm. attention myotically. Mm-hmm. I second that. Cool. I'm going to come back a step then and say, Zach, um, um, what did you think of uh, the paper? Was it your your first time reviewing this kind of paper? What what did you? How did the process go for you? What what did you, what were your impressions? It was my so it's the second paper I've ever been a part of on the review process. Um, although this is the first time where it wasn't a blind review. Right. Um, okay. Where mm. which is cool. Um, before we get to that conversation, though. Yeah. yeah please. Thank you very much. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Were, He's a podcast pro. Yeah, we were absolutely. We were we were talking about multi literacies before, and I know for me reading through this, it was just I was constantly going through my mind how ambitious it all seems. And mm. I've only the only the only board game I've ever brought into my classroom is Monopoly, and I and that's because most of my students already have a foundation of what the rules are. Because I found I never have the time to go through a rule book because uh. just a rule book is so 
big, if you know what I mean, mm-hmm. right? For, for 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 people who's that's not their native language. So, which is why I find it easier for me in general to use video games because it's easier. Just there's there's no rule book, really. Usually for the type of games I'm using, there's no there's not a lot of rules that they really need to engage with because I do a lot of narrative games. So just going through this paper and really seeing how they had to really understand the game, the context of the game and all that. Um, and the fact that it worked out well, is just it, might, it was just really cool reading through all of it in my mind. Hmm. Wow, thank you. Excellent. Yeah. Wow, there's so much to dig into there, but I'm going to move us on. <laughs> yeah. Oh. <laughs> uh, Jonathan, so before we jump into a, a deeper uh, examination of the reviewers' comments, um, just give us your humble brag. What, what are you most proud of from this project? I think I've got two, and as an editor, I think you can choose which one works better for you. Like <laughs> two, two's fine. So okay, so like one thing that I'm, I'm, I'm really proud about. I'm really proud of this paper, and one reason for that is that the first paper that I published in LLP, like you know, teaching language and literacy with games, what, why, and how, like was sort of this theoretical, abstract, deep dive with one student, and the critique of that paper was. Well, so it's just one student one-on-one, you had a whole year and it was extracurricular and all this kind of stuff, right? There were all these critiques. So I'm proud of the paper in that it demonstrates that the ideas that I explored in that paper can actually be applied to a class, right? Um, it's by no means perfect yet, but here it is. Like, here's a 20-page walkthrough of, of pictures and evidence and materials and, and evidence of teaching and reflections, like... The pedagogy of multiliteracies can actually be used with games in an actual class with 20 students and some pretty amazing things can happen, right? I'm, I'm pretty proud of that as, as, this, as this piece of sort of uh, research in my, in my research agenda. Um, the other thing that I'm sort of, yeah, like, I don't know if it's a humble brag, but I really like the through line of the influence of the teacher on students' learning. Like, I think that there's a real through line in the paper. And, and, and I think that all the people that are on this podcast, like, we're in the driver's seat, right, when it comes to game-based teaching. Like, we're designing these materials. We're, we're setting the course of which games students play and how they use them and how they discuss them. Like, I think that this paper demonstrates that if we actually want students to do something, we as teachers need to design a, a class or a curriculum or materials or a discussion that gets students to do that. Like, I don't think students are going to do it on their own. And, and I think that this paper is just sort of one uh, tool to show teachers what they can actually do and like the power that they have. Excellent. Yeah, man. Go teachers. Go teachers. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So LLP uses open peer review process, an open peer review process, which is pretty unique. It, it's becoming more prevalent in uh, research fields nowadays by the looks of things. And it basically means that you know the author, the author knows you, you have a conversation around um, the paper on the document itself. And how, how was that process for you guys? We, we're looking to make it as smooth and uh, fun. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> non-stressful as possible. So, yeah, give, give us your, your takeaways on the, the review process. I'll start with Zach. Let's go opposite order. Um, I, I liked it a lot. I liked being able to see the other reviewers' comments in the document as I was going through it, um, especially because it works well to 
hop on to someone else's idea or maybe they saw something that I didn't notice and mm-hmm. I didn't comment and reinforce something that they brought up or someone reinforced the point that I made. So I just to show that, yeah, this is something that you should really take into consideration. So I, I personally like that a lot. Right, yeah, that's a fantastic point. Thank you. It was nice. It was interactive. And I like that we were able to build this community, the yeah, yeah. reviewer community, which is really nice because we usually... I mean, we usually don't get to see the reviewers comment during a blind review process. So this is what I like about this open view. Yeah. So I enjoyed it very much also uh, because I really enjoyed, like um, my colleague did, said, uh, the interaction, the building of a community of um, educators interested in game-based learning that are helping a fellow educator put out something out there that can help other educators form their teaching. So uh, it was really a, an interesting process and I look forward to operating more. Excellent. Yeah, Thank I, you very I, much. Yeah, I mean, it was just so wonderful to get comments from three amazing teachers. Like I, I could tell you, you each had different perspectives on the paper, of course, but you were all three coming from that teacher background. Like I could just see that in all of your comments, like you had so much experience with games in the classroom and being teachers and thinking about games and teaching that I really felt like I get, got to know you through your comments. And I'm just so grateful that, that you all took the time to, to read the paper and, and, and improve it for, for you and for other teachers as well. So thank you very much. Thanks, guys. Uh, I'm going to call that a wrap. I hope you found this episode useful. If you're interested in learning more about Jonathan's work, please visit the LLP homepage where you can read the paper in its entirety and download related materials for free. Uh, The website is www.llpjournal.org. If you like this episode, please consider commenting, sharing, subscribing and all that other social media stuff. It's free to subscribe to the podcast and it makes sure that you get the next episode as soon as it becomes available. So yeah, go for it. If you'd like to get a shout out on the show, you know, we're uh, very much pirate radio style here. If you send us a message, we'll definitely read out your messages. Uh, If you want to send us a snapshot of your own ludic classroom, uh, we're on Twitter at LLP Journal. Or you can mail us at contact at llpjournal.org. Finally, you can get in touch with all of these lovely people featured in today's show at the following places. Jonathan. So I'm Jonathan Dehan on Twitter. And you can, of course, join LLP's open Slack and chat me with, chat with me there. Um, and if you Google me, you can find my uh, Game Tokoya project at the University of Shizuoka website where all the materials are downloadable for free. So take a look. Simone. Yes, uh, you can find me uh, on Twitter as Bregni, B-R-E-G-N-I-1. Uh, I have a website about uh, video game-based learning, and it's uh, my first name and last name.com, no spaces, so simonebregni.com. And uh, I'm on academia.edu also. Oh, you can find me on Twitter as EatingHan1, Y-I-T-I-N-G-H-A-N-1. And you can also find me on Academia and ResearchGate. You can find me on Twitter at HeyListenGames underscore. Don't forget the underscore at the end. <laughs> and uh, also at HeyListenGames.org. There's a contact form that you can fill out that I check every single day. See you next time.